Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and co-host Jake Richmond and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another season of the Blitz Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and I've got my trusty sidekick, Harley. Not so close by, but you know what? In the internet age, he's close enough. How's it going, Harley? It's going good, and as long as we've got the wonder that is the internet, everyone is as close as a phone call away or a telecommunication away. And that's really important in this day and age where a lot of people, a lot of America is kind of split down the middle on a lot of things going on, including who to draft in fantasy football. But to know that we are, we are able to reach out to our friends and neighbors and stay in communication with them, it makes uh, America a little bit closer. Well, you know what? I got to tell you, I also wasn't sure we were going to do this again this year. I wanted to do it. Busy. Time is is not something that I have a ton of anymore. But I actually started hearing from listeners and followers asking when we're we going to start things back up. So I said, you know what, let me reach out to Harley and see what he says. And Harley says, of course we've got to do it again for 2016. So you know what that means, Harley? What does that mean, Steve? That means we've got to start off with the news. So why don't you catch us up with our first episode of NFL News for 2016. Thank you, Steve. Rob Gronkowski pulled up lame today in practice and immediately was escorted off the field. We don't have enough information regarding the nature of his injury, but we expect the Patriots to issue an update at some point tomorrow. Of course, we also expect that this, like most other Patriots updates, will tell us absolutely nothing concrete anyways. In New York, popular sleeper rookie wide receiver Sterling Shepard was limited in practice today due to a groin injury. We can neither confirm nor deny that the injury was sustained salsa dancing with Victor Cruz. (laughs) Josh Gordon was activated by the Cleveland Browns today, and he took part in his first practice with the team. Up until this point, he had been sitting out with a quad injury, as well as concerns about his conditioning. Gordon appeared excited to once again be on the field, but he refused to comment on former teammate Johnny Manziel, who has also suffered a career fall-off due to off-the-field transgressions. Apparently, Gordon doesn't want to risk his relationship with Manziel in case they run into each other again in a few months in rehab. (laughs) Rookie tight end Hunter Henry started for the Chargers on Saturday as they allowed veteran Antonio Gates to rest. Many people are excited about what Henry can do once he takes over for the aging Gates. In related news, former Chargers tight end caddy Ladarius Green is contemplating retirement due to headaches sustained waiting for Gates to retire as well. (laughs) Cam Newton made the news this past week while out dining when he purchased an entire meal from noted Baltimore Steakhouse Sullivan's, which he proceeded to give to a homeless person around the corner from the restaurant. 
We caught up with the homeless person following the encounter, and he said that while he was quite thankful for Cam's gift, the steak was overdone and the potato was badly in need of seasoning. <laughs> the Philadelphia Inquirer is reporting that rookie Wendell Smallwood is likely guaranteed a roster spot, but that he is not guaranteed to even be third on the depth chart at Philadelphia's running back position. We here at BPN News hope that Wendell succeeds with the Eagles, but if not, we feel that he can parlay his name into a great career in porno. <laughs> this has been your BPN News Update with Harley Schultz. Oh my God. Um, you know, the other day I did a did my first radio show of the year with Steve Dumig on WDAE, and the audio had some glitches, and I told people, I said, you know, it's kind of the preseason for us too, but Harley, you're, you're right there, midseason form, my man. Um, good thing we're not on USA Today this year, so we don't have to bleep out some of that stuff. <laughs> well, uh, we, we do have to worry about the name Smallwood, but I don't think there's anything too offensive in that name. No, not at all. Only it's, hey, like everything, it's what you make it. Um, I'll tell you what, while we talk about making things, why don't we talk about ADP a little bit? And specifically, I know that you know before we started recording tonight, you asked me a couple questions about that flex draft that I took, took part in a couple weeks ago that was held live on Sirius XM um, Fantasy Radio in their studios right there in D.C. So I'll let you start off. What were some of the questions that you had with regards to that draft of me or about some of my um, league cohorts? Well, I think a good thing to start with is maybe to tell our listeners what were some of the, uh, the rules or, or the scoring categories or the format for the league. So as, as we discuss the players that were taken and where they were taken, maybe we can further identify why, uh, like, I'm, I'm looking at your draft list right now, and uh, Todd Gurley went number two overall, when I think uh, most of the drafts that I've seen going right now is there's the three big wide receivers, and they're going one, two, three. And then the likes of Gurley and Peterson and Johnson and the running backs start falling after that. Is there a reason why Gurley pierced the top three? Wait a minute. You mean I should have known what the league settings were for my league before I drafted? Well, I, I think that's usually a good idea to go into the draft knowing what your settings are because it, it kind of makes uh, ranking your players going into the draft a little bit easier. Yes, people. So that is the first lesson of our show of 2016. Know your league. Know your scoring set. Your scoring Know your settings for starters, etc. The league is called Flex. Um, what it stands for is Fantasy League of Experts, and it does have Flex starters. We start 10 total players, one quarterback, one defense, no kickers, and then we start between two to four running backs, three to five wide receivers, and one to three tight ends, and it is full PPR. As far as Mr. Gurley going second overall, pretty much made everybody in those first four picks turn their head and say, what? Um, I can't say that I would have made the same pick, but I know that Jake Celia, who I believe was sitting at four, was pretty daggone happy to see that happen because he got one of the big three wide receivers due to that happening. Well, no, and it's interesting that we talk about the wide receiver falling to Jake there because the wide receiver that fell is Julio Jones. Now, I've actually spent this entire preseason telling people why I'm not taking Julio Jones. And my biggest concern with him is the fact that he's not the only, uh, the only fish in the water there anymore. They brought in Mohamed Sanu. I think he's going to be uh, able to take away some of those targets. Last year, it was Julio Jones 
And then the next closest receiver on their team had like 60 targets. I, I don't think Sanu will, will be happy with just 60 targets. He's going to get his share. Plus, Julio Jones has had issues with soft tissue injuries in his feet before. And uh, early news out of camp is he's dealing with a soft tissue injury to his foot. Now, I know Matt Ryan has skills, and I know that Julio Jones is an impact receiver, but uh, if I'm stuck at one of those top three spots, I might be a little hesitant to take him. Can I be honest with you? Yes. If I'm not at number one overall, or number two, we'll say, Antonio Brown or Beckham, I'm probably trading my first-round pick, quite honestly. Um, I'm just not enamored with the first round. Now, I say that. I drafted ninth, which I think was the is the absolute one of the worst spots you can be in in a draft this year, especially PPR, 12 teams, in that I had looked at it. ADP, we'll talk about that in a little bit, um, showed that, you know what, David Johnson probably wasn't going to get to me. But I was holding out hope that I was drafting with a bunch of experts in a flex league that were going to go zero running back. So I was like, at nine, I will be extremely ecstatic to see David Johnson as the name I can call. Because then I'm going to go robust running back, and I'm going to hit running back coming back at me too. And I knew who I wanted to take. Well, guess well what? it's interesting you bring that up because I, I think in this day and age where everybody in the world has gotten on board with this uh, do the opposite or zero running back or whatever, whatever you want to call it theory for putting together a roster, that now is almost the time where it's like, okay, it's time to do the opposite of the opposite and actually take a couple running backs early on. And uh, we see those guys like David Johnson and, uh, and uh, Ezekiel Elliott uh, and even Gurley sliding into the mid to late first round. And uh, you think back 10 years ago, that, that never would have happened. No, not at all. And actually, let's, let's put the zero running back on. Oh, we'll tease people. We are going to touch on that a little bit later. And I'll give you my view on it, and I'm sure Harley will also. Um, but let's just go back to David Johnson real quick and say, he didn't make it to me. Steve Gardner took him at 1.8. I was scathing looks at Mr. Gardner, trust me. Um, so at that point, you're sitting at 1.9. This is where you know your league, right? It's PPR. First place is all that matters. There is no second place money. There is no third place money. So what do you do? What do you do? Do you play it safe? Do you draft Allen Robinson? Do you draft Ezekiel Elliott? When I believe I read a stat from someone today that said that of the 37 running backs since 2001 drafted in the first round or first two rounds or something like that, only four finished in the top 10 in fantasy. Yep. So do, do I want to go with Ezekiel Elliott with that risk? Do I want Mike Evans, Alshon Jeffrey? No, I don't. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to swing for the fences. And that's why I went with a guy that got me some you know, odd looks in the draft room when I called the name of Le'Veon Bell. And I look at it this way. What player left had as much upside as Bell does? Granted, he's looking at a four-game suspension, but that's not even in, in concrete right now. There's a chance, evidently, he might get off from that. But even so, I'm resigned to the fact that, you know what, I'll take him, and I'll hope to get through the first couple of weeks two and two. Then watch out. I've got Le'Veon Bell, right? You know, I actually like Le'Veon Bell. Um, I'm avoiding him this draft just because I know that if I do take Bell, I feel compelled to draft D'Angelo Williams way earlier than I would like to take D'Angelo Williams as well. Now, I, I usually like to keep my uh, my first six rounds fairly clean and not have to take a backup, but I really see that if uh, if I draft uh, Le'Veon Bell, 
I, I'm probably spending my sixth round, at, or at worst, my seventh round pick to handcuff him together for those first four games. Unless you go outside the box then and then follow it up with uh, a couple more running backs and then just uh, sort so of take advantage of the fact that your rules are flex and that you can actually start multiple running backs or multiple receivers each week and then uh, kind of build around that and then know from week five on that you've got who would have been probably the first running back off the board if he had not been suspended. Very true, very true. Now, I will say this. Remember I said I wanted David Johnson to fall to me? Bell was the guy I wanted to take in my second round because I felt that was just tremendous upside to then get him if I have David Johnson to anchor that. You know, So I was really upset. So now I really feel like this is a retro year, and my plan is I still want to go running back, running back, but I've got to have the person there that I like. And Mr. Adrian Peterson came back around to me at 2-4. Well, I think that says a lot about the expert draft format that uh, with the wide receivers going so early that you were able to get Bell and then get Peterson because I think a lot of uh, our listeners out there who, who may not be participating in leagues against the level of caliber of players that we uh, go against on a regular basis here, uh, they might find those two positions flipped where if you have pick 1-9, you may find yourself taking Peterson and then be able to get Le'Veon Bell coming back around at 2-3. Uh, yeah, and I, the thing, the reason was I didn't want to risk somebody else saying, having the same mentality that I did and going, I want the upside of Bell and I'll, I'll risk it. And, and I say that I was willing to do that because I drafted Jamal Charles the year that he wound up tearing, what, his ACL was it in the first game or second game of the season? That sounds right. Well, yeah. and uh, I witnessed uh, several years ago uh, one of my league mates drafting Tom Brady in the first round. And this uh, first game of the season, we all met out at uh, this large sports bar to watch the game. And 15 minutes into the game, there goes Tom Brady down for the year. This guy was there, and he just left at that moment, kind of dejected, walked out slowly. And uh, uh, we didn't hear from him for about three weeks. So we're pretty sure he was in seclusion in the West Wing. Well, and in the year that I drafted Charles, I wound up making the finals. I didn't win that year, but... You can recover from that. So that's why I'm not afraid to make an upside pick like Le'Veon Bell in round one. But I would have rather done it in round two. Well, I think, though, your decision to take Bell there brings up another thing that we should really encourage our listeners to think about is when, when you're put in a position where you've been poached on a player that you're really looking forward to, take your time. Don't, uh, don't make an immediate harsh decision uh, from a poker standpoint, it's, it's called being put on tilt. Uh, something happens to you that shouldn't have happened for whatever given reason or you weren't expecting. You really need to take that time, step away, take a couple of breaths and think about, okay, what, what do I do now? And not just immediately re- react with something that isn't going to be positive for your team in the future. Man, and you know what? That's a great way to put it because these experts, they continually tried to put me on tilt this entire draft. Well, I'd, I'd like to say... Uh, I think that Mr. Pat Mayo uh, may have been put on tilt at the swing there. Taking, uh, He took Mike Evans and Elshon Jeffrey, two of the wide receivers in that quote-unquote upper tier of wide receiver that I just don't like this year. I can't say I don't like them. I don't like them that early. I don't like them because of all the wide receivers that are flying off the board, which is why, like I said, is that who I'm going to settle for in round one? I didn't. That's why I went running back. Um, but these guys were wide receiver pardon the French, whores, this draft. Um, by the time it got back to me for my third-round pick, 
I had a couple of wide receivers that I really was hoping to be able to, to nab. Um, Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins were two that I really wanted to look at. And guess who went off right in front of me? Sammy Watkins. <laughs> and guess who went off right before Sammy Watkins? Randall Cobb. So that's that tilt button they were trying to press. So I wound up going with a guy that I thought had the same type of concept I used with Adrian Peterson. I like Adrian because he's got a high floor. His ceiling may not be as high as some other players in a PPR, but he's got a safe high floor. And that's what I liked about Golden Tate. I think that he's got a safe floor and he's got some nice upside. I'm not buying the whole 1A, 1B thing uh, with Marvin Jones right now. Um, But I was hoping to be able to get Tate on the backside because I wanted to pair him with somebody like Sammy Watkins, who I think has nice upside this year. But I went with Tate, who would you be shocked if he caught 100 balls this year? I wouldn't be. Um, I think he's anywhere in that 80 to 85 range. I'll still be happy. Um, And then there's a guy that I'm like, look, drafting in nine, drafting with a bunch of experts. If you want a guy and you like a guy, sometimes you just got to take him. And that means reaching for him. And that's something that our listeners need to know. If there's a guy you like, if there's a guy you want, if there's a guy you believe in, I'm not saying you take somebody that's got a sixth round ADP in round one, but don't be afraid to take him in round four or five. I love Dante Moncrief. I think he's a top 10 wide receiver this year. I figured I'd be able to take him in the fourth, maybe fifth round. No, not a chance. Do you see where he went off? He went off at four. He went off a couple picks before you there. Yeah, he went off right after, right after Golden Tate did. I was slightly going to consider taking him at, at my 4-4, four, 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 but I figured I'd rather get him coming back in round five. Not even close. So... I wound up going with John Brown, and the wide receiver hounds were out, still in full force. And when it gets back to me in round five, I'm in a spot where, are you buying the, um, let's see, are you buying the Kevin Whites of the world, the Sterling Shepherds, the Crab Trees, the Marvin Jones, um, who's the guy over in... Um, uh, New York, I said, I said the guy there, um, you know, Deshaun well, Jackson. Either, yeah, either Seattle receiver. <laughs> yeah, Tyler Lock. Are you buying those guys that early? Because I see risk with all those guys. They're not sure things in my eyes. So I decided, well, if I got to go with a guy that's risky because I want to get a third wide receiver at this point, I didn't really love any of the running backs that were left, um, although there were some decent values. I went with Mr. Josh Gordon. No, that that probably brought uh, both some crickets, but also some uh, some leering eyes, because obviously Josh Gordon is a another polarizing player, and another player that is suspended for the first four games of the year. That means I have two of those players in my first five picks, and right away the t- the host of the of the show that we're broadcasting the picks live, Matt Camp, Matt Camp and Joe Dolan. That's like when we get the break. Hey, Steve, we want to come back to you. We want to need to talk about this stuff. And Matt said he found it interesting. And I said, look, there is no second place here. It's, it's first place or bust. And with what's on the board and the risk that's associated with those guys, I just I can't see how you don't take that chance on Josh Gordon. He's my wide receiver three. If he hits, I've got a possible top five wide receiver. If he doesn't, I took him as a wide receiver three. How many wide receiver threes flush out on you? Exactly. Now, what I'm really surprised at is not long after Josh Gordon was taken, uh, I see that uh, 
Andrew Luck went as a quarterback at pick 601. Now, I'm sure most of our listeners are going to be like, Andrew Luck in the sixth round? What? Hey, it's a it's an expert draft. Everybody's on that zero quarterback train. And, and I know we were going to, our plan was to talk about zero quarterback and zero running back today. We might not be able to get to zero quarterback, but that's okay. We'll get to that later. Yeah, and I think Drew Brees went in the ninth round. I think only four quarterbacks through nine rounds or something like that. Um, I wound up, we're not going to talk every one of my picks. I wound up taking my quarterback. I was the last to take one. And guess who it was? Matthew Stafford. In the- I was just thinking it's going to probably be Matthew Stafford because that's he's he's kind of the guy that's fallen to me in every single one of my zero quarterback drafts. I got him in the final round. Yep. Final round, last quarterback off the board. Now, he's got 4,500-yard potential. He's got 28 to 30 touchdown potential, and that's pretty much been right around his, his baseline for the last few years. Now, obviously, he, uh, he lost Kelvin Johnson, and I think that hurts his – vision to the general public but what the public may not have noticed is that Stafford's best games last year came when Kelvin wasn't on the field when Golden Tate was the predominant factor in the, in their offense and uh, I know he also liked to uh, find his uh, running back out of the backfield Theo Riddick uh, ended up with quite a few catches he actually became one of my favorite uh, PPR running backs that you can get in like round seven or round eight that can fill in, particularly if you look at the zero running back concept earlier on. I'm confused. You mean wide receiver? The Oh, that's right. He is a running back. They just use him as a wide receiver. Exactly. Um, he qualifies at running back, which is, it's like a gift from the gods. It's like manna from heaven for those of us who uh, wait to take our running backs until later on. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. What else do you have from, from the flex draft that you see pick-wise that you have questions about, et cetera? Well, so I'm, I'm looking right now, and I see Theo went pick, uh, looks like pick 901, right before Justin Forsett. Now, uh, Forsett's another one of those guys that's kind of been uh, up and down in terms of what uh, fellow uh, fantasy football personalities have talked about this preseason. Uh, why, why did Forsett fall this far? Is it just because he's coming off the injury? Because I, I always thought he was considered like a, a, one of the top running backs uh, before he got hurt. You know, running backs get old fast, and people have short memories. It's that whole, what have you done for me lately? I actually think it's a crowded backfield, so I can understand why he fell. Um, And I know you talked about this guy earlier, D'Angelo Williams. For what it's worth, people, no, I was not married to taking D'Angelo Williams. I had no intent in taking D'Angelo Williams where I knew I'd have to get him. He went at 7-12. I was able to get Jeremy Hill at 8-4, and I believe Rashad Jennings um, was a guy that I took, was it in the sixth round? Or, yeah, sixth round at 7-9. And the reason I took him at 7-9 is, guess what? He's an older guy. He's supposed to have full run this year, right? If he gets Yeah, off- uh, Andre Williams has uh, been completely useless the last couple of years. And they did draft a rookie, Paul Perkins, who for dynasty leaguers out there, you'll, you'll want to remember the name Paul Perkins at draft day because he very well be, will be the every down back for the Giants a couple of years from now. Uh, he may get a little bit of the goal line looks this year, but in general, Rashad Jennings, he's kind of a poor man's Jamal Charles for his career. He's a good PPR back in that he stays in there on third down and catches passes, but he also can, he can accumulate the yards. Uh, and when you look at the Giants as a whole this year, they're one of the teams that I'm very, very high on. I, I like the offense from top to bottom, and they're in a yeah. division... Whereas a lot of shootout games uh, with Dallas, 
and Washington and Philadelphia, these teams are going to be scoring a lot of points against each other. That's six times out of the year that you can count on Rashad Jennings putting up quality fantasy points for you, if not in some of the other matchups as well. And guess what? I drafted Jennings with no expectation of wanting him all year long. I need him for the first four weeks, and I think that he'll be an easier sell after a month than D'Angelo Williams, because guess what happens to D'Angelo Williams? He loses. He's going to fall off the face of the earth. (laughs) So he only will have value to the Le'Veon Bell owner, which is going to be me, and I don't want him. So my goal here is to have Rashad Jennings fill in, hopefully get off to a hot start in the first month of the season, and then flip him for, guess what, a wide receiver. Now, before we get too far off of the discussion on Le'Veon Bell, I, I know we talked a little bit about owners putting you on tilt. Now, for those of our listeners who are uh, have progressed from the draft format into the auction format, one rule of thumb to remember is if someone at your auction brings up Le'Veon Bell and purchases Le'Veon Bell, it is your duty as the next person to nominate a player to nominate D'Angelo Williams whether you want him or not because you need to spend that person's money as well. Yep, that's a good point. Very, very good point. Any, and I wouldn't say just Bell. Anytime somebody's drafting somebody that's handcuffable, throw that person out there and make them spend that money right away, takes it off the table, and then you can focus on the guys that you want. Well, speaking about handcuffs, so where did Rob Gronkowski go in this league? And for that point, where did uh, Martellus Bennett go? And did the same owner get both of them? Oh, let's see. Mr. Gronkowski went 2-2 to Tom Broly of Fantasy Guru. And I was actually looking at Mr. Marty late. Um, and he wound up going, give me a second here and I will tell you. He wound up going 13-11 to the Gronkowski owner. So, yeah. same. That is smart handcuffing there. I don't think he even did it to handcuff. I just think that he saw good value there, quite honestly. And I thought it was a good, a good pick by him. Um, I had planned to try and hit tight end on my on the way back at me. He took him. I wound up taking um, Eric Ebron. Went two picks later. That was the day that he had the scare with the knee. And I wound up taking Jordan Cameron, who I think we could see have a slightly bounce back year this year under Adam Gase. I was just going to say Adam Gase being there, uh, kind of known as the quarterback whisperer. Uh, everyone's expecting Ryan Tannehill will have some improvement this year, and obviously they have a they have a better offensive line than they have in the past. But uh, then again, you could have taken five guys off the street and had a better offensive line than they had a couple years ago. Now, you've got Devontae Parker, who is primed for a huge season. Actually, I like him a lot, and I've been getting a lot of shares of Parker. As a wide receiver three, typically around uh, round seven, round eight range, uh, you can get him. And, of course, Jarvis Landry, who is a target hog. And from a PPR standpoint, I, I would be more than happy going to battle with Jarvis Landry as my wide receiver one if I choose to take two running backs in rounds one, two. Well, I'll tell you what. In expert leagues, ADP just is, you got to throw it out the door, uh, especially with these vultures that I drafted with. Landry went 3-6, which I think is pretty in line to his ADP. Devon- I would agree. Devontae Parker, 5-1. Ouch. <laughs> and, but I'm with you. I actually love Parker, and I, I, if I'd known he was going to go that early, I would actually consider him in that range. Um, so that's where that whole, if he's your guy and you want him, you go get him so that you don't miss out on him. But I think Parker is going to take a big step forward this year. It's not going to shock me at all. Again, that whole offense could take a step forward, and I think that's only going to help out Cameron's value as well. 
I think we see that the whole Dolphins team is going to take a step forward offense and defensive-wise, although I'm not sure where their pass rush is coming from. Was there anyone taken in this draft that you thought was taken way too early? Oh, Todd Gurley. Um, no, and I can't say that's really too early because, I mean, I think you got to give him consideration in the four, five, six range, so I'm, I'm not going to call somebody out as that being too early. Um, you know, I'm looking at a guy right now. I just was scrolling, and it stopped right on him. And I'm going to tell you, maybe I think he was taken too early, and there's a lot of people that are going to say he was probably taken too late. Um, polarizing. Devontae Freeman, 3-1. That is pretty much where he's been going in, uh, in general in terms of NFL 10s and just regular ADP. Uh, he's typically going in that early third round, and again, we don't really know what's going to happen there this year. Obviously, Tevin Coleman is going to be a part of that. And again, I, I personally have some qualms on the whole Atlanta offense in general. Their offensive line, again, is better than it's previously been, but it's still not in that upper echelon. So I, I think there's a lot of risk and reward with naming Freeman as your running back one. And if you go that route, you had better make sure you have a couple of stud wide receivers going in the first round and second round before you take Freeman. Well, that's why I said, I, I, to me, I think that's early. I, I don't. I can't say I don't believe in him. The guy finishes running back one last year, but I want to make sure that people realize he did not win the running back battle last season over Tevin Coleman. Coleman got hurt, and that opened the door, and he took advantage of it. I believe we see Coleman nip at those touches this year, and I really do believe that at some point we will see Coleman overtake him. So that's why I think that Freeman is... It was taken too early. Um, well, speaking about someone that uh, got uh, got a chance to start a few years back due to an injury, and he's kind of run with the ball and uh, and made quite a, quite a career for himself, including several uh, Super Bowl MVPs, uh, a couple Super Bowl titles, and uh, he's now facing a four-game suspension of his own. Uh, another very polarizing player is Tom Brady. Now... Did you consider taking Brady, seeing as how you also took a couple of other guys with, with four-game suspensions to start the year? No, but I know everybody else in the room wanted me to. <laughs> um, that's no, There's no lie about that. I mean, yeah, Tom, and I think Tom Brady went way too early. I understand why he was taken where he was taken, um, but when you see where quarterbacks went, plus then that guy had to commit to taking you know, another quarterback, um, it just it's too much draft capital to tie up in a 16-round draft for me. I mean, he went 8-5. You might say, oh, that's great value. Yeah, Drew Brees went after that. So, you know, I just we, – we we're not going to harp on quarterback, are we? Do we have well, I, I look at it from this standpoint where it's uh, – it, again, in this format where quarterbacks are sliding so fast down the, down the uh, draft board that you're getting a guy like Brees after Brady there. I personally am high on Brady this year for no other reason than because I know when he gets back on the field week five, Belichick and Brady will be looking to uh, to, to flip the bird a couple different times in Roger Goodell's face and really run up the score against some of these teams. Yeah, that, you're right there. That I, that I see. I just I can't take a quarterback early, man. Come on. <laughs> um, now, here's the other thing. And people are saying, but quarterbacks go early in my league, right? 
or quarterbacks yep. are going late here, or somebody says, it was too good a value to pass up Drew Brees in the ninth. Understand this. And then we're going to stop talking about this draft, and then we're going to stop talking about quarterbacks, and we're going to talk about zero running back to, fin- to finish out the show. But understand this. The value is relative to the position, not to where they're being drafted. So if Drew Brees is the fourth quarterback off the board, he's the fourth quarterback off the board. It doesn't matter if it's in the fourth round or the ninth round. The position is deep. There's no need to reach. And you can say, why would I take, you know, um, Corey Coleman, Travis Benjamin, Laquan Treadwell, Kendall Wright, Justin Forsett, Theo Riddick, why would it, Stephon Diggs, why would I take those guys over Drew Brees? They're not as good as him. No, they're not. But the thing is, it's like throwing spaghetti at the wall. You've got to have enough of it to throw so that some of it can stick. Well, now, in this league, too, uh, I should have asked beforehand, is this a best ball format, or do you actually set your lineups? It is not a best ball format. We set our lineups. Now, I think that uh, the zero quarterback concept as a general uh, precipice is actually very, very viable in a best ball format because yes. you can get two guys in the 13, 14 quarterback range and any given week, one of the two of them has a 50% chance of posting better numbers than the person who wasted a third round pick on Aaron Rodgers or a fourth round pick on Andrew Luck or whatnot. So again, if you're, if you happen to find yourself in a best ball format, that's a perfect time to consider zero quarterback, but also even zero tight end, which I know we won't talk about this week, but uh, it, it's something to think about. I'm, I'm not taking Gronk, and I'm not taking a high-end quarterback if I'm playing in a best ball league. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, again, before we move on, everything always leads me to something else. Uh, I took a call from a caller on the WDAE show this past weekend, and the guy drafted Cam Newton, I believe it was. Cam Newton ran Rodgers, one of the two. It was one of the top four quarterbacks, okay? And he asked me about a matchup early in the season and if he should play such and such or such and such. I went ape shit on the guy. <laughs> I was like, if you're going to go and spend an early pick on a quarterback that you shouldn't be spending on anyway, then you live and you die with that person. He is yes. in your lineup every week, with the exception of if he's out because of injury or by, and at that point you still might need to start him. I just, I was like, look, I'm sorry to rail on this guy, but. That's what it is. If you put draft capital like that into a quarterback, do not call, do not send me a tweet asking me if you should start Drew Brees or Kirk Cousins this week. You made your bed, lay in it. Exactly. And otherwise, just avoid the position entirely and keep yourself out of that sort of headache situation. I mean, if you want to really make a decision between which quarterback to start each week, Wait till quarterback 13, take Matthew Stafford, take Derek Carr, uh, take a Ryan Tannehill, take an Andy Dalton, one of those guys that's not going to go in the first six rounds because those are the guys that you can look at and say, okay, this team is facing so-and-so team. This team is facing Denver. Oh, okay, I'm not going to start this quarterback this week. But if you've, got, if you've wasted a first, four, uh, first, second, third, or fourth round pick on a quarterback, you are right. You you damn well better have that person in your lineup every week unless he's hurt. But hey, I'll tell you what. We're going to teach our listeners something here. We're not going to talk about zero running back like we said we were. We're going to treat this podcast as if it's fluid like it is, like a draft, right? When a draft is fluid, what do you do? 
you make adjustments, you change. You can't have one rigid plan. You have to have a, a plan B, a plan C, and a plan D. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to finish up because we're over time already. We're going to run the last few minutes. Let's finish up talking about quarterbacks. I got a couple of points I want to throw out to you, Harley. And I know, you, I know that you know your ADP. I want you to tell me, who is the quarterback one based on ADP? It's got to be Cam Newton. It is. Who is the number four quarterback based on ADP? Based on ADP, the number four quarterback would be... Say Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yes, that is correct. Now, would you like to know a nifty little fact or a couple of facts? We need to enlighten the audience, so shoot away. And don't get me wrong. I like both these guys. I don't like where they're being drafted, though. Where, I guess let me ask you a rhetorical question that's not really rhetorical. Where would you draft a quarterback who played for a team that ranked 27th in pass attempts last year? Before you answer that rhetorical question, which, of course, you shouldn't answer because it's rhetorical, my next question is where would you draft the team quarterback that ranked 28th in pass attempts last year. Now, granted, understand, last year is last year, but they still, last year helps us to determine what's going to happen this year. So, the 27th ranked offense in pass attempts and the 28th ranked offense in pass attempts. Do you want me to answer it for you so it's not rhetorical anymore? Well, my, my first thought is that I thought you are picking on me and making a reference to Alex Smith, but uh, nope. I, I'm guessing you're going to be referencing Russell Wilson because uh, Seattle really didn't throw the ball much in the uh, first 10 games of last season. Uh, it wasn't until uh, Doug Baldwin uh, came out of nowhere and basically uh, exploded onto the scene doing something he hasn't ever done before that Russell Wilson became a viable passing quarterback last year. Yep, you're right. Seattle ranked 28th with 489 pass attempts. Okay, Carolina ranked 27th with 501. Cam did not throw all 501 passes. He threw almost all 501. It was like 485 or something like that. Um, so I just, you look at that as an indicator, and I'm not saying I hate those guys, but you have two quarterbacks in the top four on teams that were in the bottom five in pass attempts. It goes to show, one, what your legs can add to your, your fantasy score. Um, it's just something I'm not comfortable with. So, well, and I think what you need to look at, too, is the fact that the top four quarterbacks based on ADP right now, all of them have, have question marks surrounding them. Uh, Cam Newton is coming off a career season. Yep. He's going to be drafted at a, at a rate much higher than what we can actually project him to produce this year. Aaron Rodgers is coming off probably his worst season, but his season was also deflated by the fact that he didn't have Jordy Nelson, who brings questions of his own. Andrew Luck missed most of last season with injuries. Now, is he going to return to be the same guy he was? And, of course, Russell Wilson. Uh, can you really count on Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett to be starting wide receivers and successful from a fantasy standpoint week in and week out? I like Lockett, but no, I think there's risk. You're right. Um, here you go. Let me throw this at you. You're right. Cam Newton had a career year last year. It was also the first time, I believe, in three seasons that he had double digits. Touchdowns rushing, which was a large part of it. He had 35 passing touchdowns. Do you know? Now, I look at passing touchdowns 
and rushing yards for quarterbacks and rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks, they're all gravy. The passing touchdowns, not as much as rushing stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Cam Newton passed for 3,837 yards last year. That's 240 yards per game. I'm going to tell you a quarterback that passed for 3,725 in 14 games, which means he passed for 266 yards a game. That would be 26 yards more than Mr. Newton did per game. Do you want me to tell you who that quarterback is? Shoot. Sam Bradford. Ouch. That, that really does sum things up very well there. And uh, Sam Bradford, who is being taken as uh, quarterback 33, in leagues where there's 32 starting quarterbacks. so well, I'm going to give you another example here. And I'm, by all means, I, quarterback's so deep. This guy used to be a poster child for zero quarterback, Alex Smith. Um, I don't think he is this year, but if you have to have him, you can. I, I'm hoping, from uh, being a Kansas City fan, I'm hoping he has a good season. Here's, I'm going to give you a couple of things to look at and a different way to look at it. Last year, Cam Newton scored 384 fantasy points. Alex Smith, 265. It's a difference of about 120 points, right? Yes. That's drastic. That's a lot. Cam threw 495 passes last year. Alex threw 470, 25 different. Okay? Cam threw for 351 more yards than Alex Smith did. Cam threw 35 touchdowns. Alex threw, Alex threw 20. Cam ran for 636 yards. Alex ran for 498. So 630 to 500 roughly. Cam had 10 rushing touchdowns. Alex had two. Do you know what happens if you take five touchdowns away from Cam and give Alex five more passing touchdowns, okay? You close that gap from 314 points for Cam Newton to 284 for Alex Smith. All of a sudden, you're looking at about a 30-point difference. And that's huge because we're also talking about at least a 10-round difference oh, at in least. terms of average draft position. I, I just think that the key here is, people, you got to look at a guy like Cam that had, or anybody that has career years, and say, is it really sustainable? And you know what? 636 yards rushing and 10 touchdowns on the ground is not sustainable for a team that has a quarterback that could lead them to a championship that you know Ron Rivera at some point is going to start protecting him because he's getting older. He's not going to be Superman forever. So I just see a ton of risk with guys like that. Be smart. Look at things a little bit differently. And just you take it from there. So what else do you have in parting? Well, I think that we all need to, uh, to take a step back again. Just uh, think about what you're doing going into your draft. Know, we, we talked about a little bit earlier. Know your league rules. Know your league scoring. And go in there knowing that you want to build the team that you want. Have your cheat sheet ready. Design your cheat sheet yourself. Specialize it if you need be. Certainly go to thehuddle.com for help putting your cheat sheet together. But ultimately, when you are getting your sheet together, make those little nudges. Make those little changes that you need to to make your sheet match your league's rules. And once you've done that, go in there. Don't be afraid to reach that round early to get the guy that you really want because you know what it's your team and you're going to want to be able to say going each week that you're playing the guys that you want to play man is there nothing worse than going i wanted that guy and look what happened damn it i missed him i knew he was going to blow up it, it just it's tough and the other day steve dumick who's the host of the wdae show i do every friday 
He asked me a question. He said, look, for all our new players and stuff like that, he says, what are the top things they need to do to be you know, good at fantasy? And my first rule, when you kind of said this, my first rule was, I said, have fun. Remember why you're exactly. doing this. Outside of DFS and the people that are trying to make money, remember, have fun. That's what this is about. Don't draft strictly off ADP. You don't have to take that guy. ADP is a tool. We wanted to talk a little more about it. We didn't get a chance to. ADP is a tool so you know approximately when guys are going based on the masses. That doesn't mean they're right. As a whole, we're all very, very wrong when it comes to rankings year in and year out. It just it, it happens. Nobody has that crystal ball, so to say. So that's number one. That's my rule. Have fun. Rule number two. Know your scoring system and league intricacies, the things that make your league different. Understand that and know that. So tell you what, we didn't get into as much as we wanted to, Harley, but I think it's good to say we got a show under our belts and that we're back. We'll work the kinks out. It's preseason for us too, right? It is preseason for us, and uh, that just means that there's a great opportunity for you to tune in next week for our next uh, show where we uh, break down Things a little further, we'll probably get into that zero running back talk that we were going to talk about today, but uh, I think it's a good idea for listeners to know that they can follow us on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is at new, N-E-W-C-L-E-A-R, that's Nuclear Harley, and you are at Steve Gallo NFL. So there you go. Follow us at Nuclear Harley and at Steve Gallo NFL. And you know what? I kind of should have checked to see how I ended shows last year, but I didn't. So all I'm going to say is, I think this is it. Get Blitz Responsible. Cheers. Cheers.